You're listening to the Shug Show podcast, strategically focused on the personal journeys of others. This season, highlighting health professionals of color. They exist and their stories are awe-inspiring. Listen in and find one to meet your healthcare needs. Find a mentor if you're a pre-health student and learn from a unique perspective. I'm your host, Shug, and I am so excited. Let's get started. Hey everybody, we're back. Season 2, episode 2, and this episode with Dr. Cuffy was amazing and really special to me. It was my first introduction to public health and how having that mindset going into dentistry really can help, you know, give the total care of your patient. And so it was the first really you know conversation that made me interested in perhaps pursuing a master's of public health so I'm super excited I'm so happy to share this with you and I hope that you all can learn something too many providers they they don't treat the entire patient they treat the let's say the, that one cause or that that one illness right um, and working in public health it public health teaches you to look at the entire person or the entire community um, and and help them and teach them to make better choices to improve their entire life just not to get rid of that one ailment hey how are you i'm great how are you I am doing very well so i first want to say thank you for doing this um i know it is a little bit odd, you know, doing a podcast with someone you've never met personally. So I definitely <laughs> appreciate it. This is pretty dope. Um, thank you for even, I guess, uh, thinking of me to actually be a part of the podcast. I think this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've been um, following you on social media for a while. So I do know that you are a dentist. And that is the field that I'm looking into getting into. So um, it just made sense for me to reach out and ask. Oh, yeah, that's that's dope. I um, I, I mean, I, I like the way like nowadays that people are able to connect, um, even though that, you know, we may never meet, but we can connect from miles and miles apart and, you know, share common interests and then also share our stories on how we we make it to where we are. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I do want you to introduce yourself. That way everyone else knows who you are. Okay. Uh, my name is Damien Cuffey. Um, most of my friends and people even who are, aren't even my friends, they just call me Cuffey. Um, so that's me. <laughs> okay. So what led you to the dental field? So um, oddly enough, dentistry was never really uh, in my scope before I decided to apply to dental school. Um, in college, uh, I was pre-med, went to Xavier University, and actually the night before I, I was to take my MCAT, I decided I did not, not want to be a physician. This was my junior year. And so um, <laughs> the next day, my mom calls and asks me, you know, well, how was the exam? And I told her, well, mama, I didn't take, you know, take the exam. 
And so she was like, well, boy, you better figure out what you're going to do because you graduate next year and you can't come home. So I was like, wow. Okay. So, um, but so how I got into dentistry or an oral health, I actually went and got my master's in public health um, after I graduated from Xavier. And while in my master's program, one of my colleagues who was in the program with me, she was doing a, um, like an oral health type research um, project where she would go and actually talk to students, young kids, like in elementary school about oral health care. Um, and so I went with her one day and I thought it was pretty neat. Um, and I saw that the kids responded very well to me being a black male, um, cause it was a black school, but they were really interested to hear what I had to say about anything. Um, and I realized that there aren't many black oral health care providers and there was a need for it. And at the time, one of my really good friends, she was actually in dental school at Meharry Medical College. And she encouraged me to apply to dentistry um, because of the, the lack of minority representation, but mm -hmm. also because it had a great work-life balance. And um, also, you still got the title, title of doctor, um, but you were able to actually be um, actively a part of your patient's care. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I got into it. Wow, that is a very interesting story because uh -huh. that change of not taking the MCAT was like, you know, the day before. Did you, um, were you like kind of thinking about it before? Like maybe I don't really want to be a physician or was it just like, what was that that made you just decide like, no, I'm not doing this? So um, I think, so actually I had two roommates. One was my line brother. Um, and that was a friend of ours. And actually, we all decided that night we didn't want to take the MCAT. Um, and we are all dentists to, the, to this day. My line brother, he's an orthodontist. Um, but me and, and the other roommate, Ruben, we're just general dentists. But um, we, we sat down and we, we talked about it. Um, and we, we agreed that because we were first generation college students, you know, you're raised to say that, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we're never taught to understand that there are, there are many kinds of doctors, mm -hmm. you know, um, and you know, our family, when they think of doctor, they think of a physician, they don't think of a dentist or an optometrist mm -hmm. or, um, any other scope of, of the healthcare field that has the doctor title. Um, and so I think we all realized that our minds were kind of, um, kind of shaded to what else was out there mm -hmm. and medicine didn't really seem to really interest us as, as much as we thought we did because going to Xavier, you have a large population of physicians um, and pharmacists. And mm -hmm. so we realized that we were able to shadow other, you know, shadow physicians and shadow pharmacists and neither of those fields interested us. And plus it's, a, it was a long road to go to med, you know, go through medical school, plus a residency and a fellowship, mm -hmm. um, you know, we realized that, no, we weren't, we didn't want that. We wanted a different, a different life for ourselves. Um, and then we just decided that, look, look, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. It may not be the easiest way, but we'll figure it out. Wow. That is so cool that like all three of you ended up becoming dentists and that wasn't like the original plan. But I think that's awesome that you guys were able to, you know, come together and kind of talk out what you wanted and what 
you didn't want, at least knowing that you didn't want to be a physician and that you guys were able to, you know, kind of support each other on your road to, you know, being dentists now. I think that's, that's really cool. Right. Yeah. The other things that you mentioned that I thought um, to ask you about was your master's in public health. How does that affect what you value or what you feel is important as a dentist um, when it comes to oral health? Are you looking to um, provide more of the education, not just to your patients, but in your community based off of your public health background? So, yes, actually, um, having uh, gotten my my master's in public health, um, it actually opened my eyes to the need for education, um, mainly to minority populations, but just education in general, um, even for, let's say, the the, the student who wants to be a physician or who wants to be a dentist, who wants to be uh, um, a pharmacist or an uh, optometrist, because working in public health, it, it gives you a larger uh, spectrum and a scope of practice and where you can actually be of value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I realized that there is a lack of education in all healthcare fields for minorities. There's a lack of minority presence as healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also there's just a lack of, as a, as a provider, many providers, they, they don't treat the entire patient. They treat the, let's say that one cause or that, that one illness. Right. Um, And working in public health, it, public health teaches you to look at at the entire person or the entire community um, and, and help them and teach them to make better choices to improve their entire life, just not to get rid of that one ailment. Wow. That's actually really interesting. I never, I don't think I know anyone in that has a master's in public health or is in the public health field at all. And so I think it's interesting that you have that background and you're going to bring it to um, dentistry because I know I was talking to a dentist and they were saying that a lot of the ailments and the illnesses that that's, that are in the body, they start or originate in the mouth. And so they show up in the mouth. And so I think that Uh that's a really cool perspective to have is that you're already looking at the total person. And so when you go in the mouth, you're going to be looking at, okay, well, if you change this in your diet, or if you change this with working out or how you, you know, take care of yourself, then these um, issues in your mouth will go away. So I think that's cool. Exactly. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much, that narrows it down to how it, you know, how it works. Um, and yes, most, most of the illnesses, they manifest themselves orally first. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing is physicians, um, even like um, ENT docs, they don't know much about the mouth. They don't learn much about dentition or, you know, the, the tissues in the mouth and all that stuff. And so um, that's why it's very important that especially nowadays that physicians and dentists and, and um, all, all the fields work together mm-hmm. instead of being such a, a separate um, field of study or a field of practice because all of our specialties, they kind of, they link to each other and they matter. Right. Yeah. I don't think that I, I ever had that perspective either because typically I think the only time that I knew that a dentist would talk to a physician 
was if they needed to like put the patient under for a procedure or mm-hmm. if the um like if the patient was on certain types of medications and it may affect like whatever the dentist is going to do. But I don't, I don't know that it's the other way around. Like, I don't know that a physician contacts the dentist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I guess maybe we'll go into this later, but specifically what I do, um, I, I did a, res- a two year residency in hospital dentistry. Um, and many people don't know that when a patient has, like uh, let's say head and neck cancer or what have you, mm-hmm. that patient has to be uh, cleared through through dental before they can have any type of uh, chemotherapy or radiation therapy. Because once you your body is subjected to those those medications or the radiation, you you won't heal the same. And so you would. And then if you let's say you try to do a specific dental treatment on a patient who did receive um, head or neck radiation they may suffer from osteoradionecrosis where they're basically their mouth doesn't heal and it just begins to become infected. And then, you know, you have open, open sores and things in the mouth because of the exposure to the radiation, because, you know, everything's been killed off and now the body can't heal. So um, in my residency, we had to see those cancer patients before they underwent their, their treatment and the, their physicians had to contact us to give us, to give them a clearance in order to proceed with their procedures. So that's also what helped me learn that your dentist, your oral surgeon is very important to your treatment of the, the rest of your health, depending on, you know, what, um, what issues you may have. Wow. That is a really interesting perspective um, that you, you know, you learned in that in your residency, what led you to choose a hospital residency versus any of the others? So, um, I knew that I liked general dentistry because in dentistry, once you specialize, let's say in orthodontics or pediatrics, that's the only scope in which you can practice. Um, but I wanted to still, I wanted to be able to do all scopes of dentistry, Mm -hmm. but specifically hospital dentistry. One, I think it was some, something with my ego because, you know, so I went to Meharry medical college for dental school. And of course, you, we were in school with physicians or medical students who were studying to be physicians, and we took some classes with them. And, um, you know, you hear people say that, oh, dentists aren't real doctors, mm-hmm. um, which I, I detest that statement. Um, and so I said, well, you know what? I'm going to show any and everybody who feels that dentists aren't real doctors that we are real doctors and we're just as important as your physician. Um, and we, we actually have a scope that can't be touched by any other field of study. So I wanted to do a hospital-based residency because I, I would be able to get the experience in, in treating trauma patients, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, people who may get in car accidents or get into fights or like here in New Orleans, people drink heavily, they fall downstairs, they do all kinds of stuff and mess up their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, also, because this is like a level one trauma center, you have a lot of facial traumas. Um, so we did a lot of stuff with oral surgery, um, arch bars and things like that. Also, we uh, learned IV sedation. So you're able to put a patient under moderate sedation. We went, we took patients to the operating room. We saw special needs patients. And so I wanted to actually expand the scope of being a general dentist and being able to treat those patients that, let's say, your average, quote unquote, 
um, dentist who comes out of school and just goes to practice, they wouldn't feel comfortable to treat. Um, and I did want to learn the medicine side of oral health care. So, you know, I, I wanted to learn the interactions between, let's say, our my lidocaine and, you know, a patient's um, blood pressure medicine or um, or any of the other, other, other medications they may be on. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have that that knowledge as well. So that's why I chose hospital dentistry. Wow. Sounds really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So how was your experience at Xavier? Um, <laughs> so Xavier was an amazing experience for me. I, um, I would never trade it for the world. Um, it, it actually taught me the value of, uh, community and working together, but working hard, um, and still having that balance to have fun and enjoy life. Um, Xavier was, I mean, I think Xavier is one of the best decisions that I made uh, in my life thus far. Um, and I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't think of any better institution to attend um, for my undergraduate training. Wow. That is, a that's, that's awesome. Um, I asked because that's the school that I was supposed to go to um, right after high school and I didn't end up going. So to meet someone who went, I'm just, you know, I was just dying to know what, what type of experience you had. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Xavier is a, it was a, it's a small institution, Mm -hmm. um, very traditional institution. Um, But it's such a, it's such a close knit university um, that you just, I don't know you, it, once you are a part of Xavier, like it just, it's like, it just becomes a part of you and your family and your life. And it's like everything you think about when, as you get older, you just think back to your days at Xavier. Um, and even like the pre-med department, um, Quovitis Webster, who, um, was the pre-med advisor. Um, she was a Xavier graduate and, um, she decided to, to stay at Xavier to help the, uh, upcoming students. I mean, having her, as an advisor for all of us, like whether we were pre-med, we were pre-dent, um, pre-farm, you know, she was there to make sure we filled out all of our applications on time that we were studying and keeping our grades up. Um, it was just amazing just to have that type of support. And I think that's something that a lot of, I would say African-American or minority students don't have at these larger institutions, um, is that you have, you know, that, that strong support and somebody who's going to, you know, kick your butt if you, if you're not doing what you need to do. And Quovadis definitely, she, man, she would let us know if we weren't doing what we were need, what we needed to be doing at the time. And she had no issue telling us like, you, you're not going to get into school with these grades or you're not going to get into school with, with this score. You need to do better. You need to, you know, tighten up and, mm-hmm. you know, and Xavier's still number one as, as far as getting African-Americans into um, uh, the healthcare professional schools. Right. Yeah, that's, so that's so what made you choose um Harry? Um so after Xavier, so I after I got my um, my MPH um from LSU Health Sciences Center here in New Orleans, I was not ready to leave New Orleans and I was just going to apply to LSU Dental School. Mm-hmm. At the time, the president of, of the Louisiana Dental Association was Romel Madison, who um was my mentor. He's a dentist. Um and he's a pharmacist. He did pharmacy school first, then went to dental school. Um, and he's also my fraternity brother. 
he he actually discouraged me from applying to LSU, um, even though it was it was one it was the cheapest dental school in the country. It was right down the street. He said, "Don't go there because they don't want you." Hmm. And and I took heed to that um, because I had some other fraternity brothers who actually went to dental school there, and I think for the most part, each of them had to either repeat a year or they never finished from LSU Dental School. Whoa. Yeah. So um, he encouraged me to apply to Meharry and to Howard. Um, and that's what I did. I applied to Meharry and to Howard. I wanted to go to Howard because it was in D.C. and I wanted to be at, you know, H.U. and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, but the way God had it, he had me to get into Meharry's post program. Um, and so I was a little sad about getting into a post program and not getting right into the class. Mm-hmm. Um, only because because I was one point away from the national average, and I had a master's degree. I was like, I need to I need to be in the class. Mm-hmm. But I chose Meharry after being in that postback program because funny thing is, while I was in the postback program, I actually got into another dental school uh, in Florida, and I could have accepted that and went to dental school there. But Meharry gave me the same feeling that Xavier gave me, um, and they call Meharry like Xavier North. Mm-hmm. Because so many students from Xavier end up going to Meharry. So the same feeling of community and togetherness and just, you know, just just having my people around me. I had that same feeling when I was at Meharry in the postback program. Uh, and so many of my friends were there. And I was like, you know what? I'm already here. Uh, I'm going to get into the class the following year because I, I was, you know, I wasn't I was very serious about my studies at that point in time. And mm-hmm. so. I was like, I couldn't see myself anywhere else after being at Meharry for that, that one year for postback. And so I stayed. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Cause um, I met someone who went to Meharry. She went to uh-huh. school and she had the same, same comments. Like she loved it. She was in the postback as well um, before uh-huh. starting dental school. And it's it's like when I talk to her, she's always like, oh, my classmates came down and oh, they went in uh-huh. Florida. And so um, <laughs> they, it's so tight knit. It's like, um, it's almost unreal. It's like how many, number one, how many classmates do you have? And it's so cool to hear like just how often, I mean, it, if it's not, it's at least once a month that they're getting together. Yeah. And so I think that's, um, it's awesome to still continue with that network after, you know, you finish school and you're, yeah like it's it's normally so each class usually has 60 students mm-hmm. um and you end up being very close because i mean you're in the same class day in and day out for four years or if some if you know if you did post back with them five years mm-hmm. you know um so it just it's it's just it's awesome that's the the, the close-knit relationships you 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 have and you develop um even now to this day i, I graduated three years ago we still talk in our class group me. We post pictures of different cases that we have. We post pictures of our babies when they grow up and all kinds of things. Even we just, you know, get go in the group me and be silly and just reminisce on like the professors and their crazy ways and the, the crazy things they taught us in school, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it just, I don't know. It's just something about the HBCU that just puts that like that togetherness and community and love for each other and just being down for each other into each student, even for those who didn't, so like Meharry, I mean, even though it's an HBCU, you had students who came from HBCUs and a lot of them who didn't come from HBCUs mm-hmm. and a lot of them actually assimilated to that same, um, that same feeling of like love and, and working together 
and, and staying together and making sure everybody got out. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So do you feel um, those experiences taught you the importance of diversity or did you already feel like being in a network of people that look like you who have similar goals and similar um, aspirations as you was important? So, so I grew up as a military kid, so I moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in the military, you know, you, you grow up around a lot of different types of cultures and people. Um, and in high school, I went to a predominantly white high school. Um, and I was always in like the, the uh, advanced placement courses. And, you know, I, and I, I got tired of being like the token. Mm-hmm. I, I got tired of people, you know, telling me, oh, oh you speak well or, oh, you're not like a regular black person because, you know, you, you don't you don't dress that way. You don't act that way. You don't talk that way. And I was like, like, what, do, what does that really mean? Like, you know, like that's 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 not a compliment to me It's more derogatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I made it a point that and when I was in high school that I wanted to go to an HBCU um, only because um, it was my junior year and I was in um, one of my AP courses and our um, guidance counselor came in to talk to us about applying for college. And I, I was the only black student in the, in the room. And she said, you know, um, cause in Texas, that's where I went to high school, the mm-hmm. top 10% of the class, you can go to any state school for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she said, well, you guys want to get your applications in so you can go to UT or A&M um, because you don't want to be late. And then end up having to go to a school like um, Prairie View A&M. Oh, yeah, I, and I remember that comment so vividly. And as I was a junior in high school, and then she looked up and saw me and said, "Oh, I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with going to you know Prairie View A and M, you know." And I was and I, I was like, you know, I kind of laughed it off, but in my mind, I was like, I knew what she meant by that. Mm-hmm. It was a black school, mm-hmm. and of course, it's looked at as being less than, even though you know PV is a state school. They could have gone there for free. I could have gone there for free. Um, I was like, that's, that's a shame that that's how she feels about the education for HBCUs. And so I made a point that I'm going to go to HBCU and I'm going to use my education. And I'm going to show them that I'm just as good, if not better than mm-hmm. whatever student you send to your predominantly white state school. Wow. Yep. Um, so you you grew up as a military brat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh influence your decision to join the military uh it did uh i'm a third generation military kid my grandfather was in the air force he retired my father was in the air force he retired my uncle my dad's twin brother was the air force he retired my aunt was in the air force and she retired uh-huh. um, <laughs> and my other grandfather he was in the army and he retired so it, it was just being a military kid and like seeing the world and just realizing the opportunities that the military gave me and my family mm-hmm. uh, and the opportunities that they're giving me now, I just felt like it was a way to go for me. But I didn't, I knew I wasn't, I don't say I wasn't cut out for, but I didn't want to do it the traditional way that my father and grandfather did it. Um, and so I, I chose my own path on mm-hmm. how I did it. And I think it's working out well for me. Okay, so um, can you speak a little bit more about the path that you chose? Um, and how sure, sure. So, um, one, you know, of course, you, you probably hear this, but one downfall of many of the HBCUs is the cost. The mm-hmm. cost of schooling is like insurmountable. So, 
Um, I left Meharry with, well, after I graduated dental school with total, all of my loans, I left with $498,000 of debt. Ooh. Right. Um, so while in dental school, they have these opportunities for scholarships. The biggest one that everybody knows about is the um, Health Professions Scholarship Program, mm -hmm. which where all of, the, all of the branches have it, where they actually, you, um, you commission as an officer, but you sign up for however many years of schooling they pay for, you have to go active duty. Mm -hmm. um, so I tried to do that. I wanted to do it with the Air Force because you know my grandfather and father were Air Force. Um, and I could only see myself being active duty in the Air Force because their style is different. But however, I, I did not get that scholarship. Then I tried the Navy. Um, I got approved for that scholarship, but they only give out a certain number. And I was number 40 on the list that year. And they gave out 30, 37 scholarships. So I just missed it. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't want to apply for the Army Health Profession Scholarship Program because I never wanted to go active duty Army. So they have other scholarships for um, the reserves or the National Guard. So mm -hmm. I chose um, the, um, what is it called? MDSSP, which is the Medical Dental Student Stipend Program. And basically what that is, they give you a stipend while you're in school. Um, mm -hmm. You commission as an officer. You go to drill on the weekends and you get paid for that. Um, and they give you $2,000 a month. And so you can choose to do with that money whatever you, whatever you wish. Mm -hmm. um, but the smart thing to do would be to you know, at least take half of that and start paying down some of your loans. I didn't do that, but hindsight is always twenty twenty. Anyway, I did, I did the program. Um, and so I commissioned, I got my stipend. And when I graduated, I had the option of either paying back my time. So I, I owe the National Guard four years because I was a part of the scholarship stipend program for two years. So for every year you take the stipend, you owe them two years or for every six months is one year. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I also had the option of loan repayment and with this program, with the national guard and even the reserves, they can, they'll give you uh, $40,000 a year for six years for every year of service that you give them. Hmm. So, right. So after I graduated dental school, I decided to do the loan repayment first before I did my time that I have to serve. So I've been out of dental school now for three, for three years. So for every year that I served, at the end of that year, if it was a good year, they would send $40,000 to my lender. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, they, they tax it. So it was actually ended up being $30,000, uh, which is kind of weird. That's kind of a bummer. But it's still $30,000 that I'm not having to pay for. Right. Um, and I'm still in the military. I have the military benefits. So my health care insurance is really cheap. My dental insurance is cheap. But it's good. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's the route that I took with the military. I think, let me, let me make sure I understand this correctly. So you are in the army national guard, but you uh -huh. are, are you a, are you like on active duty? Like well, how? So like how the national guard and the reserves work, you go one weekend a month. Mm -hmm. And then you have to do what they call two weeks a year, like two weeks of of AT or annual training. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, so that's the only time you do you do your service is on those weekends. It's a Saturday and Sunday. And then for the rest of the time, you're doing your regular job. So, you know, you're on the weekends when I go, it's usually the first weekend of every month. 
Um, I'm there with a whole bunch of other dentists or physicians or, you know, whatever, or nurses or whatever they do during the week. We just come do what we do for our job on that weekend and we get paid for it. Um, and it, it counts as service. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so I, we're, we're okay. not, um, confined. Well, you know, how like in, if you go active duty, you have to go wherever they send you. Right. So that's why I chose this route because I wanted to be able to live where I wanted to live, but still do my, my service. So I'm able to attach myself to a unit in any state that I live in and it will still count as, as my time served. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. I, um, so I guess I can give you my backstory. So I was an army brat. And mm-hmm. then I joined the Air Force, mm-hmm. and the plan was get my bachelor's degree and then apply for the HBSP mm-hmm. and then go to dental school. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't know that there was other types of programs. I didn't know that the Guard had a program like this. So this has been very, very educational for me. Uh-huh. Yep. I always I always tell students like, like Google and search everything because a lot of things people don't know and they miss out on and they go in a different route that may not be what they intended intended for it to be or they may want you know want something different but mm-hmm. definitely search there are so many different scholarships and different ways of you know getting school paid for or partially paid for um, you just have to like search and talk to people. And that's another reason why I thought this podcast was pretty, pretty awesome was because, you know, I'm able to like tell other people like, Hey, there's, there, there are ways around this to be in the military, to still get the benefits. Um, but you don't have to be full time and have to, you know, be at the mercy of the government all the time to tell you where to go and where to live and where you're going to be stationed. Now, don't get me wrong. I can be called up at any point in time to serve, mm-hmm. but if I do, I won't have to serve any more than 90 days at a time and I can go right back to my my regular job because if the military calls you up your job can't fire you fire you legally mm-hmm. so you know if 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 being full-time in the in the army or air force or whatever isn't for you you can do part-time and you can still get those benefits especially now with how healthcare is and the cost of it like I pay 43 bucks a month for my insurance and it's a really good insurance Wow. I mean, I'm really blown away. I, mean, I don't want to be like, you know, taking up a lot of time on this, but because um, just, you know, just recently separating from active duty, I do think, okay, well, I have almost 10 years in and I'm a reserve. Oh, yeah. So for me, it's like, I don't want to leave those, you know, 10 years on the table. I would like yeah. to, um, you know, take advantage of it to lead to a retirement, but I don't know if I want to, you know, go back active duty. So yeah, no, go ahead. And if, you know, if, if active, active duty isn't what you want, go to the reserves or the guard route. And if you decide you want to go active, it'd be so easy to, tra- to, to, to transition back to active, mm-hmm. you know, but you can see what it's like to just do the reserve or guard type life. And, and you'd be like, okay, this isn't bad because then you get to work, you know, or, or go to school, quote unquote, like normal, normal people. And then you say, Hey, okay, I want to be active now. And it'll, it'll be nothing. Hmm. I'm, right. I'm writing all this down. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. 
Something very, um, very cool. So has there been any challenges or significant experiences you had to surpass um, so far on your journey? Oh, yeah, definitely. So for me, my um, my Achilles heel for dental school was the DAT. Um, back when I was applying to dental school, um, the national average was a 16 or a 17. I kept scoring a 15. I took my DAT four times. And the fourth time, I finally got an 18. Um, and I, I surpassed the national average. Um, so that was like one of the biggest obstacles. And mm-hmm. I think that's, a, that's an obstacle for most, most minorities is test taking. Mm-hmm. Um, because the tests, they aren't, written, they aren't written for us or by us. Mm-hmm. And so for some reason, we tend to struggle with that. Um, and so that was the biggest challenge, uh, and it's, it was test taking. Uh, and then also, it was just the fact that my journey was so long. Even though when I was an undergrad, I was like, I didn't want to go to go to medical school because I didn't want a long journey. I want to mm-hmm. just get in school, get done, and be out. You know, because as dentists, you only have to go to school for those four years, and you can go out to practice. Mm-hmm. But me, I you know, I did my four years of undergrad, two years of a master's program, one year of a post back four years of dental school and two years of a residency before I started to actually practice uh, as a full-fledged dentist. So, you know, I mean, we always, we always have these plans in mind of how we want our life to go. And so that was another struggle for me was that I had this plan in my life that I was going to go to undergrad and then go to medical school and do a three-year uh, residency. And by the time I was 27, 28, I'd be out making my, my, my six figures and mm-hmm. married and all of that. But I didn't graduate with all of my degrees until I was 30. And then 32 when I finished my, my residency. So, you know, I'm just now, it's been a year now that I've kind of been out practicing, you know, and it's just kind of like, okay, you know, it, it, it didn't come out perfectly how I wanted to, but I mean, life is good. I really can't complain at where I am now. Um, but my test taking and I think the my life that I had planned in my mind were the biggest my biggest challenges and things that I had to overcome through this time of, of school. Yeah. Um that's so interesting to hear because I think um well I know I've definitely struggled with the timing of everything. I think when you have a plan pretty early on, like very young, you just know, like, I can bet everything. This is exactly how my life is going to go. I'm going to have, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have the 2.5 kids. I'm going to be in my career. And yeah, didn't, it's not happening that way. But I think something happened, I think when I finally started pushing for school to get my bachelor's done. I think uh-huh. when I had finally like let that part go. I think it kind of comes up on me every once in a while because I'm I'm getting closer to thirty and I'm still not in school and all of that. But I think um, it's very um, familiar that that challenge and just getting out of your own head with what you think life is supposed to be like. Right. Right. Yeah, that's, I think it's a challenge for a lot of people, you know, because we have this in our minds that this is how it's going to go. I'm going to get into school and just get right out and do everything in these four years. And then the four years of 
my professional school and then I'll be done and I'll be, you know, I'll be working. But for the most part, for the majority of people, that's not the case, mm-hmm. you know? So how did you um, stay motivated to continue um, despite, you know, your feelings of not having things completed in, in such a time frame? Um, lots of prayer. <laughs> um, I, I had lots of conversations with my family uh, because, you know, even with my family, because nobody really went to school like that. They didn't, even under, they didn't understand, like, why are you still in school? Like, you've been in school, like, forever. Right. You know, like, <laughs> um, so lots of prayer. Just kind of lots of even me teaching my family and explaining to them, like, the path that I'm on and, and what each step is and why it takes so long. Um, and I will admit, I had to go to counseling. I had to actually, um, Meharry, um, and most schools offer um, free counseling to their students mm-hmm. um, because they understand just how stressful it is and how demanding it is and just how bad we want to be done and how bad we want to just finish and take care of our family. Because um, it was hard. While I was in dental school, my parents lost their home, um, you know, financial issues and things. Um, I'm be, I may be getting a little deep, but it's, I mean, you know, things happen in life. And sometimes we blame ourselves. And I think that was one of my biggest, my biggest hurdles and hurts was the fact that the house or the home that I grew up in, my parents really couldn't manage and couldn't afford. And had I just gone straight through school and had I not um, done a post back or whatever, I, I had in my mind that I could have helped pay for that. And I could have you know, kept my family from having to deal with these financial issues or what have you. Um, but going to counseling and, like I said, prayer and just having other, other classmates who were experiencing some of the same things that I was experiencing, mm-hmm. having those people to lean on and talk to actually kind of helped me to keep pushing and to keep going. Um, you know, even though in my mind, failure was not an option, quitting was not an option. But, I mean, when you think about just how hard school is and what, you know, you still have to, you still, you're an adult, like you're adulting, you have to do grown up things and mm-hmm. still try to go to school and try to maintain a, a professional, I mean, a personal life and a professional life. It can be, it can be a lot, but yeah, um, I would definitely say prayer and counseling and developing close bonds with my classmates and people who were going through, what I was going through kind of helped me to keep going because it got hard. And, you know, there was nights, you, you know, I cried, you know, there were nights where, you know, I just couldn't understand why it was just so hard. Why is it so hard for me when I'm trying to to be the best? It's supposed to just, you know, come easy, come natural. Because, you know, when the, if you work hard, the, the reward should be there. It should be immediate. But mm-hmm. that's not that's not reality. Right. Yeah, I'm glad that um that you you know, you you're you're so open and you're speaking to just how important it is to talk to someone and to talk to people and even, you know, talk to a professional. Cause I think there's still for some reason, a stigma in to reaching out, you know, and at what point mm-hmm. you reach out or is what you're going through, not serious enough to reach out. And I think that um, I'm very glad that you, you hit on that and you touched on, you know, just how beneficial it was to keep you, you know, through your, through your journey, of course, you know, your relationship with God and, and your family and that support system, but, you know, just having that outlet, you know, to be able to kind of talk through those things, I think um, is super important. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very important. Very important. Okay. So what are you most 
proud of? What am I most proud of? Um, <laughs> I think probably the fact that I am the first doctor in my family on both sides in any generation. Um, and that I am at a point in life where now I can be, I can be the everything to my family, like whatever they need. I'm, I'm there for my nieces and nephews. I have 12, 11 of them. And I have a plethora of younger cousins. Like I'm still like the cool big cousin or cool big brother. Mm -hmm. Um, I still hang out and have a great time, but my family realizes the level of success that I have achieved. Mm -hmm. Um, but I never let it go to my head. And so I, I'm, I'm most proud. I'm just still me. I'm still, I'm still Damien. I'm still goofy. Um, but I'm, I'm Dr. Cuffy too. Uh, that just, that made me feel really good to finally be able to say like, I'm Dr. Cuffy and I'm the first. Wow. That's awesome. That, that's, that is something you should definitely be proud of. I think, especially when you think about, you know, all the generations of your family and, you know, even just remaining true to yourself. I think that's key. So, wow. Um, so what's next for you? Like, what can, what can we expect from you in your community, uh, in the dental community? Well, um, so let's see. I'm still kind of getting my feet under me as far as being, you know, out. Um, so in my job right now, I am full-time faculty with LSU Dental School. I'm one of four black professors out of the entire school. Um, I work in the infectious disease dental clinic, which is also known as the HIV outpatient dental clinic at the hospital. So all the fourth year dental students rotate through my clinic. Mm -hmm. I'm currently um, the assistant director of the clinic. Um, the director, he's actually a Xavier grad. Um, he's an, and a Howard grad for dental school. Um, he's a black male. Um, so for me, I want to move to the level of being um, a director of a, of a dental clinic. I want to utilize my master's in public health, which I am utilizing now, working mm -hmm. in uh, basically an underserved or public health type clinic. Um, but I would like to be a director of, of a clinic of my own. Um, and um, I am working on, so we, they have this thing called Sisters in Dentistry. I'm mm -hmm. working on what we're going to call Brothers in Dentistry, where it's uh, for minority male dentists here in New Orleans. Um, so that we can all come together and like, you know, share ideas and support one another. Um, so I think that's really, really important. So I'm working on that now. And um, Dr. Briscoe, who is um, one of the professors at LSU, he is trying to groom me to become the president of like the Pelican State uh, Dental Society, which is the uh, Black Dental Society here in Louisiana. Um, so I do, a, I do some things around the community. I always go back to Xavier. And I mm -hmm. talk to the incoming freshmen. Uh, I try to sit on any type of panel or board that they want when they want a male represent, representation of any, you know, healthcare field. So I, I try to, you know, be active in that. I'm still active in my fraternity. Uh, so I, I still have my desire to be a part of the community. Um, and just, you know, so I think for me in the future, I'm going to be 
somebody's director and the president of some dental society um, and still, you know, giving speeches and hanging out in the community and kind of giving hope to all the other guys here. Wow. That's awesome. I uh, will definitely continue to follow you in your journey. And I think it's awesome um, what you do and what you're you're so um, embedded in your community and that you do keep, um, keep motivating like the the ones behind you. Uh, This conversation in itself has been motivating to me. So I really appreciate um, taking the time. Oh, wow. That's that's a lot to be excited for. Yeah, well, I appreciate you reaching out to me um, and, you know, wanting my perspective um, and just hearing, you know, my story. I never really said, and you know, I mean, I, I've told bits and pieces of my story, but I've never actually like said and like discussed myself. I'm not a big like, oh, let's talk about me. Right. But um, <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> Yes, you're really cool. But I'm gonna I don't wanna hold you too long. So um yeah, but thank you so much. Of course. Anytime.